The average winning margin for Dublin in their quest for Sam Maguire in 2011 was 3.8 points. Last year, when Dublin picked up their fifth All-Ireland football title in a row, that margin had risen to 14.85 points, with this year's tally standing at 17.5 points. A small indicator of their dominance on the back of another big win last Saturday night with Calvin on the receiving end this time. Hello and welcome to the GAA Show. My name is Pierce Corcoran and joining the conversation this week to chat through and answer what is becoming the biggest question in GAA, how do we fix the Dublin problem, is Ryan McCluskey, Connor Coyle and Kerr O'Kane. Welcome, fellas. Hello, Pierce. Hello, Pierce. How are you doing? How are you doing? First, let's go to Kerr. Your weekly college news is always a great read, but this week even more so as you touched on the dominance of the Dubs. But one particular point you made that stood out to me was the reaction of some from Dublin to this overarching question. It seemed to irk you, would I be right in saying? Thanks, Pierce. I'll throw that money down after. Uh, um, the the reaction of some in in Dublin look I think there's just some some fans on uh, Dublin fans on Twitter that probably give Dublin fans a bad name to be fair like they seem to be loud and 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 vocal about the thing and it's uh, and they're vocal about burying their head in the sand (laughs) you know where were you when where were you when Dublin weren't one in all Ireland's were were you crying about getting them out of and taking money off them and blah blah and all that and look you know there's there's aegis in every county to be honest like and um I, I wouldn't say i wouldn't say it it overly irks me but i, I think to be fair probably bernard brogan's tweet on on saturday even probably irked me more than anything um you know it's the uh, how how dare you question this once in a generation team leave them be and then you <laughs> And to be fair, like it wasn't it wasn't my analogy, but there was a fellow Aidan Doherty on, on Twitter who pointed out to me. He just wrote back to, to a tweet I put up, just triggers brush, and I just bossed out laughing. And triggers brush, uh, and I don't know if you saw it then, I put up the, the clip of the video from Only Fools and Horses and uh, triggers brush that he kept for <laughs> that he that he had kept for twenty years. Right. He had kept the same brush for twenty years and it only had seventeen new heads and fourteen new handles. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to add that on to your when you post this tonight, you've got to add that on that little video. So <laughs> it was it was the it was the best analogy. It was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I would say I can't even take credit for thinking of it, but as soon as I saw it, I just busted laughing. But um, look, they're not a once in a generation team. They're they're evolving constantly over the last decade, like, and they're arguably stronger now, if not as strong, certainly, um, than they've ever been. And they're still beating teams with twenty points, and they've only three of the twenty eleven teams still playing. So. You know, that's not a once-in-a-generation team, lads. Ryan, as someone who's played against this Dublin team, being a county player, being through the process over the last number of years, maybe from the outside we're a little bit naive in terms of what actually can benefit a county team and can't, and really shouldn't be in the conversation at all. But in terms of trying to level the playing field, what exactly, in your opinion, is the biggest issue in trying to equal up counties? It, it was actually, I had a chance to read Carr's article and uh, brilliant work again. And I suppose, yeah. She hasn't got a bit of fortune. No. By the way, it wouldn't take much to annoy that man watching Teddy Tubbies or something like that. wouldn't annoy him. You know, so, uh, wouldn't, worry about, wouldn't worry about any of that. Um, no. 
Listen, it's it's something we've talked about it over the last kind of number of years. Would you believe? You know, when we've we've joined in and out of conversations on this podcast, Pierce, we talk about money. I know it's something that uh, you get a wee bit kind of heated over whenever we we start having the conversation. <laughs> for me, for me, it is a case, and, and I know Cara remarked on on somebody's words during the week about uh, that money game in terms of the rich getting richer, and you know it does have a lot a lot to play. In terms of that development, um, like I do remember playing under Caffrey many moons ago, uh, his his side and just watching that development, and it was actually Mark Brogan. We were on the Brogan subject that night down in Parnell Park, and we talked about this as well before uh, Pierce, and they were even that you know there was there was traits of them kind of changing the, their system and style of play then in terms of their rotation, what they were doing on the pitch. Now for me that comes back to I suppose. One of two things, A, is is time and working with your players. And to get that time, somewhere along the lines, money comes into it because you're going to have to subsidise uh, maybe the likes of, of lads working, take them away from work or have less time at work or maybe give them, um, I would say, money to, to cover their work or keep them on the shore. You know, for the likes of ourselves in smaller counties, lads move to the likes of Dublin, to the bigger counties, to... to move across the world basically to go and look for work um, in more prosperous areas and, and again it was remarked in, in, in Cahar's article about the likes of Google and Scissor and all these top companies in Dublin you're going to these kind of multinational, multi-million kind of pound brands that are very attractive for, for young lads as well to, to go into um, so you know Money does play quite a bit. There's a lot of money going out around the clubs. I, I did get a look at their sponsorship deal, and, and I just had a wee nose before I came on here. So in, in 2018, they, they signed a five-year deal worth $4 million. Um, I think on Cahar's post as well, he had said that it was they were getting about $1.4 million a year from HQ. That's $2.2 million a year, if you obviously dissect that AIG money as well. Not on top of... of how clubs are then developed. And, and again, I, I was fortunate to do a bit of work down in Meath and to see firsthand that that's a club on, on the outskirts of Dublin, to see this club uh, in particular being run practically like a business. And that's the way it, it has moved for, for me. And I, I know we're sitting here, we're, we're kind of giving off, but you have to definitely credit you know, you know where it has gone. They've been very, very smart in what they're doing. And if, for me, it, it does come back to, to money. It, it's nearly a case of like, crap on the ship we're in at the minute where you know you can't go down and buy toys downtown in your local toy shop but you can go into Asda and you know you can fund them to go into their aisle and get some toys uh, also because you can get some some food obviously in Asda as well and that's your necessity but why is the why is the toy I'm not you know cordoned off and, and for me it goes back to you know that money getting into Dublin you know that ladder and that kick up the backside they got a few years ago has it stopped? No and it's just continued to to fund and fuel that that beast, you know, at the minute, which the money's been handled very well, and they are evolving, as as Cahar, you know, has said. Connor, as someone from the outside looking in to Dublin over the last couple of years, what 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 have you found remarkable and as as watching their development? I have to say, just to pick up on Ryan's analogy there of Asda and the toys, really, really enjoyed that there. Um, <laughs> but, but, um, um, I mean, listen, like they've obviously, um, you know, 
the the money thing's been talked to death. Um, you yeah. know, Kahar really, you know, took the, you know, took apart the what, you know, the good things that they've done with the money and all the rest of it, and, and the games development and, and the sponsorship money, and turning themselves into a commercial beast as such. Um, so you know, there's no doubt that they've done that well. And, you know, you know, I don't think any kind of conversation about you know taking money away from Dublin or giving money to other counties or amalgamating teams or anything like that there. Is is done with a, an anti Dublin um, stance. I mean, I'm sure Cahar's car said, like, you know, if you listen to enough. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, he's here. He's hear me okay there, or, or breaking up, man. <laughs> Sorry, it was just there's no anti-Dublin here. We we just played here something on the this. Sorry, <laughs> um, you know, if you listen to enough enough Twitter users, you, you would probably think that there is some sort of anti-Dublin bias there. There's not. I mean, you know, I I'm personally just getting sick of of, of watching games where the result is, is predetermined. I, I just thought it was interesting even thinking about it today that. You know, Dublin could realistically win uh, an All Ireland title this year without actually having to play any Division One teams. Um, you know, if you, if you can't even Mayo, we're going to be in Division Two next year as well. So, you know, I I think we kind of have to to start with that, and that you know, it, we're coming back to the whole idea of, of a tiered championship. And I think you know, you can talk about development and, and how players come up and, and you know, urbanisation and populations of Dublin and you know, that, that that's things that I think it's very difficult for the GAA to, to have any huge amount of impact on. Whereas, you know, I think if you go back to the idea of, of, of teams playing each other at, you know, regular you know, playing regular games at against teams of their own level. I think, you know, if, if Dublin were to play Mayo, Tyrone, Kerry, Donegal regularly, uh, you know, in the championship there's more the higher likelihood of um you know, of the men turned over every now and again, you know. So, I mean, listen, where does that leave the likes of the likes of your Fermanas, your your Wicklow's, your Leitrim's? Um, you know, I I'd be very much a fan of of going down that road. And listen, it's like any other kind of championship that that exists within the GA structures at the minute. And and most you know most organised sport around the world, you have different tiers. People are at different levels. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't think what we what we can have you know in the very near future is. Is the likes of Westmead and, and, and at least playing Dublin at this stage because it, nobody really wins out of it, nobody nobody benefits from it. Um, so I think that's for me that's I think where we should start looking. I think just to, to call it out, I mean you know this whole monster of, of a thing that that's developed for Dublin developed out of a long term strategy. You know the GA got a committee together to, to sit down and have a think about this and how this is going to work over the period of 10, 15 years, which is which seems quite unusual. In GA circumstances, usually things are kind of just done for a year or two and see how it goes. You know, you know, the GA need to sit down and think about this, not necessarily for next year, the year after, but you know, for for a long term plan of how this is going to work out. You know, so I think that's that's the key thing, really. The one thing I found remarkable, like because I've seen, I can see it from both sides, and especially someone who grew up in the Dublin GA scene, and yeah, for a long time I would have kind of like, yeah, as you mentioned, Ryan, we had this conversation of the podcast over the last couple of years. I would have. You know, been in the school of thought that I've never seen a fiver kick a ball over a bar to be kind of crude about it. But the one thing I found remarkable watching that game last Saturday was the sheer power and size of the Dublin team compared to Cavan. And it's not against Cavan because I think what we're on in this position, it's not really to do with the opposition anymore. So I suppose my question is, and I'll open up to anybody who wants to jump in on this, is like, how do we shape the question? Because I've asked the three of you now, to start and you, we all making good relevant points 
But I still don't think we're really shaping the question that is going to address the problem because, as you mentioned in your piece, Car, like this isn't just you know um, creating a new structure and it's just and the problem is going to be solved or moving money and the problem is going to be solved. This is something, as you as you mentioned, Connor, that it's going to be have to be 10, 15 years down the line. So how do we shape that question then? The the, the interesting thing is talking about long term strategies. The GA actually commissioned a, a report, a strategy called, um, I think it was called 2030, um, and it was a long-term strategy that would look at how the GA would, would look uh, in 2030, and uh, it was never published. Um, it's done, but it was never published. There were bits and pieces came out of it, but whatever is in that document, they mustn't have liked um, the look of, or for whatever reason, it's not out there in the ether. So um, what does the GA look like in 2030 is probably a good starting point. And does inter-county football, you imagine it still exists because it will sustain and it will exist, but does it appeal? Um, you know, we have had, you know, you can cut it up and dress it whatever way they want to, but there are, you know, attendances have declined alarmingly over the last 10-12 years um, on an almost annual basis and I think they only come up um, they come up last year for the first time a wee bit and I think actually if you broke it down by average per game it actually wasn't wasn't up at all if if memory serves me right so um, like how, how do we as a, it's not you know, we're all focusing on Dublin, and I'm, you know, as guilty as any. We're, we're focusing on Dublin at the minute, but I have said in the past, like, if you break Dublin in two, or you take, you know, you, you find ways to strip Dublin apart, and Kerry will just win all the All Irelands. You know, yeah. like, uh, Kerry are well funded you, as well, you know, and. and you, so, you don't want to do that. You, you don't want to do that. Don't, don't. No, you don't. I, I, I haven't. Do you know what I mean? I, 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 I agree with you. Like, I think. I'm not saying you don't strip them, but I think you definitely have to draw them back. But you also draw everybody else back too. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Or by by everybody, I'm, I'm talking the the Kerrys, the Mayos, and and the Tyrones, the teams that are dominating football. And you try and give some of what you're given to them. You try and give it to the bottom counties and try and bring them up to a level that is achievable. And that goes back to then money and and this is not I know we, we always we have to talk about Dublin it has to be in the conversation because listen they are the benchmark so so it's like anything else you know you aspire to be the best and, and they have been the best and, and they've made the deals they've been shrewd in everything that they've done financially um, I can only look and I know you can only look at what's on your, your own doorstep when we were doing all right, maybe in 04, I know there was talk of the likes of Quinn. I know he's moved on and, and certain things have happened since. Um, yeah, Quinn uh, was kind of, I suppose, the, the money monster in Ireland, you, you could say, it, at that stage. But there's a lot of chat that, that he was com- going to come in and, and fund um, the Fermanagh team at, at that stage. And I don't think the county board wanted to, I suppose, give up the, their loyalty towards, I suppose, it was Tracy Concrete and... and Fair play, Patsy's been one of the stalwarts, you know, sponsoring that jersey for, I think, forever nearly, from what I can remember as well. But, you know, Dublin have been shrewd to, to go after the, the big companies, the AIGs, and to get that 
you know, massive money in your Arnott's, whatever it is, and, and obviously distribute that in the right way, you know, and, and obviously let that drip feed down from, from the bottom the whole way up. But there obviously have been plans in place, and, and Connor's right as well, over the last, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, this has been, been work in progress. I think we remarked on, I think it was Ross Munley maybe came out and said at one stage when, you know, themselves and Leash and Westmead, when they were running around celebrating Leinster's, Dublin were, were plotting this, what's going on now, you, you know, and they were high-fiving each other, sharing, you know, uh, between Mead, Westmead, Leash, sharing this kind of indecision, you could say, every every year in Leinster and having a wee pop at the All-Ireland every now and again, but he said at that stage, Dublin were just working on the structures and the processes and obviously it snowballed and, and look where they are now, you know, so, um, but like, the argument is and it isn't money. Give give Manager uh, two point two million every year. Uh and I can tell you now we wouldn't be in that shithole listen. Sorry for cursing lads as well on top of that. But you know, you are up there in the middle of winter. Um I've seen Gravahi now and, and maybe the throne lads might give off about about it at times, but I take the pitches and the surfaces up in Gravahi any day of the week ahead of going up the listen, let me tell you now. Um, you know, so you give us that money, and, and I'm sure it, it can be directed. And not only that, that you do have opportunity to maybe keep, as we said, some of your best players about. And listen, as much as it kills me at times, yes, to, to watch some of the games, I do love watching them. I do love learning from them. Um, I do love, you know, because Conan uh, had, a, had, a, had an interview or, or he had something up during the week as well about the calls. I think he was pitch side. Or sports Joe, and he mm-hmm. had some uh, done an article on, on some of their, their calls and what they do, and that's gone on a number of years as well. You know, we talked about the, the screening and, and how they apply themselves. I'm nearly sure they're running bloody Phil Jackson plays from, from you know that Jordan era. I'm nearly sure they're running um, these triangle plays that he was synonymous for. You know, and, and so many variations because you know playing against them everywhere you turned. You know, somebody was checking you and somebody was running off the shoulder and it was just easy pickings for scores. So, you know, it, in one sense, it, it kills me, but listen, I love watching them and you have to credit them, you know. Connor, with, with all that in mind, what the lads said there about Dublin and, uh, and the, how they play in that, so the argument that's thrown back at who are, for want of a better word, pro-Dublin in this argument, what they throw back is, well, look at Mayo. You know, Mayo went out against Tipperary and totally dismantled them. They've been in however many All-Irelands over the last couple of years. Look at Kerry and what they've achieved in, at minor level. And up in Ulster with the likes of what Donegal are beginning to do and and so, so on and so forth. So with that in mind, what are those counties doing in particular? Are they, are they going to close the gap? Do they have the tools to be able to close that gap? I think he's gone there. I think he's coming back in, or he's he's smiling. I know he's got. I think. I, I, I think. I, I think. <laughs> Con- Connor needs to move to a part of the country with Wi-Fi. I think. <laughs> he's, he's got. A, he's got a serious smile on his face there. I know he has. He looks like he just saw Santa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the screen's his, his screen has obviously frozen. The screen's oh, gone. Well, Kerry, can I point down in terms of someone like Mayo, someone like. Uh, Kerry, uh, so on. We know the counties across Ireland who are closing the gap. The ones that are pro Dublin will throw that back and say, "Well, you know, they can do that too." So maybe it's not just. And this is it. And and Dublin are not 
the only county that have um, significant sort of financial assistance behind them. You know, I, I mentioned their um, Kerry Group, you know, and, and what they've invested in, in Kerry and in terms of their new centre of excellence and, and things down there. You know, a, a lot of money from a sponsor as well. But the, the point being that I think no county has the the commercial potential and the commercial resources right around it that Dublin have. And that that's probably, I think that's where the issue is in terms of it never, you know, because we talked about the great teams that always won, but Kerry always went away, you know, for certain spells. You know, they had, you know, average enough teams and maybe won Munster, but weren't one in All-Irelands for, for, you know, lengthy spells in the 90s. And, and, and it was more of a cyclical thing. And and that was the same with Kilkenny Hurlers, the same with all those teams that won, you know, the great players went away and then there was a dip. And what we're seeing in, in Dublin, that's the, the big concern, is that we're not seeing that dip. We're not seeing the, the Jack McCaffrey's and Brogan's and Flynn's and all the rest of them. When they go, there's a dip. We're seeing the exact same level maintained and people are starting to think, well, where is the way out of this? And are we looking in 15 years' time that Dublin still won't have had a dip? And they're still climbing the hill yet, and and where and and I think that's a fear because Mayo will have the dip, Kerry will have the dip. You know when that when Lee Keegan, Kelly and Connor, those boys here in the Shea go, they will dip. You know and that's inevitable. So there'll always be somebody to challenge. Michael Murphy goes out of Donegal, they'll dip. You know there'll always be somebody to challenge, and the worry is that Dublin are the team that won't dip. They, they there's no sign of them dipping. Ryan, as somebody who has played in Crow Park. The argument that and I was also been thrown into the mix about the use of Crow Park and I think I, there was some stat and people can correct me if I'm wrong that I think Dublin have played one league game outside Crow Park in uh, one home league game in Parnell Park in the last 10 or so years. What sort of effect does that have on the development? Because from the outside we can it's very it's very easy to say well like look it's just a ground it's for two goalposts you know it's a pitch what what does it matter? But in terms of the atmosphere of it, what effect does it have in terms of strengthening Dublin? Well, first and foremost, I suppose, you, you know, there was a lot of arguments over, over Cavan's decision and what they wanted to do in terms of where they wanted to play Dublin. I think it was a, a yeah, it was a, it was a very creditable, um, I suppose, approach that they had taken because they just turned around and said, listen, no, we're, we're going to come out, we're going to play this. And yeah, we're going to go to Croke Park, you know. Players want to play in Croke Park, you know. First and foremost, let's let's I suppose put that on the table. We always wanted to play in Croke Park. We wanted any chance to play a quarter final or a double header. We wanted to be up there. We wanted to play on it. Now, in saying that, there's one thing, um, or wanting to go there. The other thing is actually playing on it. And it was never a problem with the actual arena itself. You know, you, you love there. I was fortunate. You're you're right to play a few games on it, and we got some international trials on a on a Thursday, Friday night. Um, whatever it was, and, and for nobody to be in the stadium and, and to, to, to have that opportunity, you know, I was forever grateful for and still, you know, kind of get goosebumps, you know, talking about it. But we talked about this on Sunday. We, we actually had a beer or two and a couple of my friends who were watching the game, albeit down south and legally as well. Let's put that on record, you know. So we were sitting watching, watching, watching the, the, the game. Um, and we were actually discussing this the surface and getting used to the surface. And if you've watched over, over the last number of games, a lot of players slipping. 
for the, the, the Dublin players as well and sides that play against them. Now, it's it's a strange surface. You, you know, I think I read up on it as well one time where there's very little soil actually on the pitch and it's made up of a mixture of artificial grass and then obviously real grass as well. Um, and I always found it really, really difficult to play on and I tried a blade on it, I tried a stud and I tried a mouldy on it. For me, that was one of the biggest issues on the pitch was actually getting used to your footing on the pitch. And I watched players at the weekend and I watched players who haven't played on it on a regular basis and it just looked like it didn't matter if they were in studs, were in mouldies, Obviously, blades kind of aren't a thing now as well, but I know that was showing me age here back in the day. That was one of the, the you could say, souls of choice as well. But uh, Back in the 40s. Back in the 40s. <laughs> um, even with a mixed stud. Honestly, though, you, you know, it was getting used to the surface and getting your planting foot and, and being able to twist and turn and move. And I just, just find a lot of players are not used to that. And, you know, let's make no mistake that the Dublin lads can train probably on it when they need, when they want to, and get used to the pitch and the surface. And for me, that's always been a, a real sticky point. Maybe I'm clutching completely at straws here, but when you're on it and um, a mouldy isn't really that good. If it's wet, it's like an ice rink. Um, a stud, because you can't really get into the soil, is also a problem. For me, it's a case of, yeah, you have to be on the pitch. You've got to be used to feeling, get, getting that feeling on the pitch, and there is... I am clutching the straws here, but there is something in it, and I, I'm, I'm convinced. I, I, I think you're definitely, I think you're definitely right, Ryan, because you know the more people talk about the the advantages of the crowd and different things and the hill and all the rest, it's not but, an order. and and yeah. exactly, it's it's to me, it's not that at all. Like it is the size and the speed of the pitch, and and you yeah. look, yeah. you look at what Dublin's advantage over a lot of teams are, and why. It is Mayo who have been able to cope with them. Physical, physical conditioning. And like, yeah. because I, you know, I think I tweeted after 10, 12 minutes of the Dublin Cavan game on, on Saturday evening. And at that point, it was already so noticeable that when Cavan, a player, you know, he was carrying the ball, the next thing he got isolated, he got, he got bottled up and he got turned over and he didn't know what to do. Dublin players created those same one on one situations and they just straightened up and ran straight past the man. They're physically, uh, and, and, and the size and the speed of the pitch works in their advantage and that it's easier to create those one-on-one battles and they win them so often. Like, And that was why Mayo were so good at coping with them because Mayo's defenders could cope with one-on-one battles against any forward. I, I know. But I know. Even, you know it's, it's a routine thing as well. You mentioned there, uh, Ryan, about you know the studs yeah. and things like that, even just wee things like that yeah. there. How many times have Dublin went there? Compared to how many times Calvin have played there, I mean, I I don't I can't oh. remember the last time Calvin would have played in, in, in Croke Park, you know. So they're not used to, you know, you do this at this time, you're on the pitch at this time. Obviously, it's a little bit different now this year, but yeah. you know, they have that whole routine and, and the setup, and they know what what blades to wear, they know what studs to wear, they know what gloves to wear for a certain day, they know what way the wind's going to blow on a certain day, and, it, like it, that. <laughs> and it goes on, it goes on. If you you Connor as well, you know. Professional level, you know, you, you see your clocks and and you know all the professional grounds and stuff as well, where you know they, they might say to water the pitch before you know maybe a dry day or whatever it is, and and it does affect it does affect players and their footing and their surfaces. Like you know pre pre match day, sorry, whenever we get a chance to go up there, we're allowed to walk on the pitch. You know what I mean? I know there was a problem with the women's game at the weekend. I seen somewhere that the, the Galway ladies. 
um, could only get on it something like five, ten minutes before something. Seven minutes, like yeah. That. Seven minutes. Seven minutes. And um, we used to get on it maybe the day before a game, and you're allowed to walk on it for about two minutes. Like, what we're going to do in two minutes? You know what I mean? They wouldn't barely allow us to, to get a ball on the pitch. I mean, I'm sitting going to myself, well, how are we going to know what the surface is like? Do we wear a mouldy? Do we wear a stud? You're really bringing out two pairs of boots on that day of the game. And God knows, even with that, and I'm oh, sorry, Connor, I think you, you might have been just off and coming back on. Um, you were all around the place. And I just, I just found it such a difficult surface to get my footing on. And you're right, the speed of the bounce was something that we weren't used to. <laughs> when you're training, we'll go back to listen. When you're training and listen, <laughs> you bounce the ball and it doesn't bounce and you're in Croke Park and you bounce the ball and it skips about 14 times like a basketball court you should have gone where's the fucking ball sorry and there's another whole thing it's, it's, it's it is crazy it is crazy but I'd love to see I want, I'd love to see Cahar maybe your work tomorrow is a stat on um, Dublin players losing their footing against Cavan um, Dublin players losing their footing in the previous game you, you know Against their opposition, and it's something to do. Ryan, do you think I have nothing to do <laughs> <laughs> other than watch? Uh, Ryan, I'll do that for you. No bother. <laughs> listen, listen, it, it's. I'm just waiting for beer. I'm just waiting for beers to tell us Parnell Park is Dublin's home ground. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Parnell Park is. <laughs> Pat Gilroy has just texted me and he says Parnell Park is the uh, home ground. No, I mean... Oh, hold, hold on, hold on. Is it not the AIG Parnell Park? Are we not moved <laughs> on here? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, I, I, yeah. I, I, I completely, I completely uh, accept that. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned about the cogs and uh, the boots and the impact of it because that was the one thing that struck me uh, as a Dublin supporter and as a Dublin fan watching it was even compared to when you watch Calvin and Ulster, this is a team who were fantastic. Like and how they dismantled Donegal where it was was brilliant. But in on the flip side of that, that's the thing that I think people are getting a bit confused as to what effect Crow Park has because you know there was situated like speaking to Karen Whelan and Alan Dillon last week in the podcast and they talked about the effect of the crowds and the lack thereof. And something like that. Debbie Fitz on the Sunday game a few weeks ago and the impact of, you know, coming down Clonliffe Road and that and coming into coming into Crow Park and the effect that has and the pressure of it. So, Ryan, I put it to you this way. Let's say, for argument's sake, you're from Anna manager next year and from Anna tear through the Ulster Championship, they win the Ulster title, they deal with Calvin did and they find themselves in an All-Ireland semi-final against Dublin. Say, for argument's sake. <coughs> With all that in mind around studs, around whatever, blades, the pitch, the water of it, the whatever else, is there anything that you feel that you've seen through your time? And even watching Calvin last weekend, that you felt, this is what i do differently to handle it? I, I, I think you'd, you'd certainly probably throw out um, a few questions to um, Croke Park and, and ask them to train you know, on that build-up to, to that game for a number of sessions and surely it, it would be something I'd probably ring Cahar there and see if he documented if the GA said no, would probably be saying, listen, I just, get that out. I'm just, I'm just thinking, look, if, if, if Fermanagh are in an all Ireland semi-final next year against Dublin, they might not turn up because they'll still be drunk from one in Ulster. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Possibly as well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't condone any alcohol, obviously, in the show. Or, <laughs> <laughs> that, that um, no, listen, I certainly, from, from being in that situation, would would try and, and get some, um, I suppose, response from the GA and try and get, if that was the case, the, the players down to train, you know, on the surface for, I suppose, yeah, as, as long as I could. And, and I would certainly bang a drum as loud as I could if that was the case. Um, you would like to think, if that was the case as well, that the nation would be behind you, obviously, after winning a maybe an Ulster club or an Ulster sign at an Ulster club, uh, an Ulster championship, that that would be the case. But uh, it's 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 just listen, and they are fantastic. They they are outstanding. Um, the wealth of of talent and you know the nature of of these beasts and being up against them as well, and and being fortunate to play against some of these these. Players is, has has been yeah something that that I look back on in in my career and you know it's it's one of one of those things where um I you turn around and, and I suppose yeah we we we'll forever talk about that side that actually dethrones them if if it happens but you know it's probably an unfortunate conversation that we're going to have moving forward that the only probably body that can do that will be the GA you know for for me and and that's the only side that can really step in and it's worrying what what Cahar said earlier on about that report that 2030 report and how it hasn't been leaked so maybe Cahar can ruffle a few more feathers maybe I've tried I've tried and uh, we, we could get behind him maybe on, on that one but it would be certainly interesting to to see um and Dublin clubs have moved on you know rural clubs you know you, you would have had rural clubs rural towns the clubs used to be the focal point I believe a lot of the time, you know, in those areas, and just Dublin have got it so right now that they are breaking into those, I suppose, different kind of uh, areas in terms of even financial uh, statuses as well. You, you know, they're, they're in every kind of shape of, of society now at the minute, and they are focal points. You know, they have big gyms attached to them where they are money-making machines, they, they have big halls usually that are being rented out most nights. You know, the, the complexes are probably pretty much small leisure centres that, that are funding as well a lot of their, their activities and actually, stuff. Um, so, I got so. sent uh, an image actually a, a couple of days ago there of, I think it was um, St Jude's, um, one of the clubs yeah. down there that had a, I think it was like a a, a stats room where they go in and like it looks like a little it's like a little cinema. Oh, the, the analysis room. Ah uh, yes, yeah, I yeah. saw that. Saw Absolutely that. Crazy, like you know, for, for a club to have it was like honestly, it was like, it was like a wee cinema. Uh, for the, just imagine them going in there, like you know, I can just imagine my local club like Arbo, like going in and you know, you just you just have a whiteboard, like you know, it's not you know, and a, a few lads. If you'd be lucky if if everybody gets a seat to sit down on, you know what I mean. So you know, that's kind of the difference you're looking at there. But I mean. I think with all that, all that considered, like and all the stuff we were talking about there, wouldn't it be a real turn up if? And, and I'd say probably most of us would say that um, you know Mayo will will give them a serious game, like in All Ireland, like. And if Mayo go out and end up winning, it you know it kind of turns things on its head a wee bit. And then Dublin Dublin fellas will obviously be coming up to say, well, listen, you know, like what are you still going to go ahead with all these big changes and the, the plans and everything else? So. Um, I still think personally it's maybe a wee bit, you know, and that's why I'm kind of saying we need to think about it more long term and, you know, not, not to kind of back up Pierce maybe uh, and, and the Dublin side too, too much here, but, you know, they won five in a row. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, 
plenty of other teams that won four in a row as well. Um, you know, it it doesn't look good at this stage, and I think it probably you know makes sense to plan for the fact that they may go for ten in a row. But I think Mayo could could potentially throw a, throw a spanner in the works as well. But not that that fixes the problem. Um, but it was just a funny turnaround now if it was to happen. Yeah, I, yeah. Look, you know, firstly, thank you, Connor, for uh, backing up uh, the dopes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think you have the point there in terms of you know, if Mayo go out and beat them, then the whole landscape changes again because you will have the pro Dublin brigades <laughs> on in some of the game. It's like you don't clock out. Jesus. You'll have the Dublin Raid saying, look, yeah, look, well, look at Mayo. They're off to doing it. So, you know, it's not just us. But I think the one thing from my perspective, and I'll go back to it, is the differences, I think, as well as the, in the organisation. And it's not about having a go at any one county or having a go at the rest of the counties or whatever else, because whether we like it or not, the one thing that came to my head is if this continues with Dublin, and you guys from in the different parts of Ireland would be able to answer this better than I would, but we can't do a participation level, because if you're from, you know, Leitrim or Derry or Fermanagh or Tyrone or Cork, Kerry or whatever, and you're looking at Dublin winning it every year, not only will you might have fellas at Intercounty saying, you know what, I'm not interested, but you also have them, if they wish, to turn them to other sports. So are we at a situation there and I'll open this up to whoever wants to jump in that the cure for fixing participation in the GAA might also now become the problem but I think like I mean the two solutions that that I've seen suggested you know primarily over the last couple of days since since it's become you know more of a talking point or whatever is either splitting Dublin in two or four or whatever it may be or amalgamating other counties and other counties kind of you know, uh, coming coming together in, in some format, you know, like like the Kerry Championship or, or or whatever. I don't think either of those work in the sense that you know you could possibly end up if you split Dublin, for example, with a, a North Dublin versus South Dublin All Ireland final in a couple of years. You know, it, it, and, and that would just be a a disaster for the whole thing. I think. Um, and then in terms of amalgamating counties and and bringing counties together, I mean. I mean, uh, I'm not sure. You're, you, Ryan, you've obviously played for Fermanagh. Could you imagine someone on in the jersey of another, you know, of another outfit that's not Fermanagh? You know, lads grew up and you know dream of playing for their county and and you know taking that away from them. I, I don't know. I think that's ever going to work. And at the end, obviously, kind of reduces participation levels as 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 you're yeah. speaking about there at, you know, at county level. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of solutions, I'm not necessarily on board with, with either of those and and you can't really advise a solution or you can't really put forward a solution that that lowers participation levels in any in any way and i suppose it does come back to the funding and stuff as well and that you know people are talking about you know removing funding from dublin and a lot of the funding obviously does go into things like schools and and, and youth teams and stuff like that there so if you're taking money away from, from aspects like that there then you know it's, it's it's a dodgy road to go down you know so i think i think, I think the point sorry go ahead Cal. So yeah, just the point on on that and and the thing about taking money away from Dublin is is the fact that you know D- Dublin as a county board and as a a unit of clubs is is pretty much self sustaining. Like and it's not about you would ho- you wouldn't be hoping that you know 
you're costing people jobs as GPOs or that you're taking away participation because that's not the intention. But but I just think that the the funding can be redistributed to places like Tyrone a full four full time football coaches and and one part time coach. You know, so and and Tyrone's a fairly expansive GA county. Like you know, it's GA mad from top to bottom. A lot of it. So whereas Dublin of fifty four. Um, and and it's just you know there's no simple solution there's no simple right answer and like I, I wrote a column about the amalgamations last year maybe and just looked at it you know and how you could maybe balance it out and you ended up with with 21 different teams and it you know sort of roughly populations between sort of 450,000 and, and 700 or 800,000 sort of a more balanced thing and <laughs> Is that the way? I know you're saying about people growing up and dreaming of of playing for Fermanagh or playing for Derry, whoever it is. Like, but do they grow up and dream of playing for Fermanagh? Do they grow up and dream of playing of what they see? Do you know what I mean? Like, and if and if you alter that, do the, do the Wayans still grow up dreaming of playing inter county football and dreaming of playing competitively? And rather than you know. Because what we're seeing now is that so many of the fellas that grew up dreaming of playing for their counties are getting the 25 and 26 and walking away from playing for their counties because they're thinking this is a fucking waste of time, you know. And 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 that's where we have to, you know, balance the romance against the realism of it and and realize that, you know, maybe the the single county structure is luck. It'll keep running. The 32 counties will field 31. Sorry, Kilkenny. Um, in football and they'll keep going but 26 of them will probably never be competitive and that's that's the reality of, of where it's at True, true and you're right you know you, you want to certainly play for your county but it's, it's kind of harrowing at the minute when you, you hear a number of uh, inter-county players that, that have come out and just turn around and whether it's Twitter or whatever it is and they're starting to make a bit of noise you know they're they're kind of slagging but they're not but they're certainly coming out and saying you know it's a waste of time practically at the minute and you know when, when players are saying it then it, it becomes a problem and it can become then a, an issue that, that obviously drip feeds down then into clubs, schools and nobody wants to see anyone losing you know their jobs and um, What's the what's the quick fix? There, there's not going to be one, but certainly it's it's something that again I remarked on God knows how many times. You know, are the GA not big enough now to? I know I know there is a, a general sponsor a lot of the times. You know, Guinness was involved obviously, and you know they they have AAB whoever it may be on board. But is it not big enough now that you know they can step in and say right? You know, we, we need a we need a that's the child, sorry, in the middle of that as well. She's she's even given off about Dublin Lock. <laughs> is it is it not at a stage where are the GA not maybe big enough now, maybe not marketable enough now to look for a a sponsor and with that money then dissect the money into you know all the counties. I've said it before, it's it's pretty much like that, nearly that UFC beast where you know, they have Reebok on board, they sponsor, you know, the whole kind of show, and then the money's dissected from there on in, you know, and obviously you're, you're looking for that money to be dissected. I know it seems to go back to money tonight, but it goes without saying then that it's dissected evenly throughout the counties, and I suppose let's see where it goes from there in terms of, let's see that maybe drip drip feeding in if, you know, Tyrone, Tr- Derry, you know, for matter to get 2.2 million a year without really... You know, having to do anything else, but I'm, I'm sure you know that 
that we could make the money and use the money wisely. And uh, whoever was talking about the GPOs there as well, I know it was going on in Meath at the time as well. That was self, you know, sustained by some of the clubs. So they'll they'll not be using, you know, they'll not be losing their jobs as well. That was money that was coming in from the likes of memberships that was being used to to again um, ensure that a GPO role was in place. So you know. As I said, it's come back to that that business nearly structure where these clubs are nearly like mini leisure centres and, and superpowers in, in their local kind of communities. And uh, that's where a lot of their funding and, and money is coming. On top of that, you, you know, we talked about Kula's money and, and they're getting massive money in from, from a, a big sponsor as well, you know, to fund um, Eddie Brennan as well. So it's, uh, it's yeah, it's, it's hats off to, to Dublin GEA, but, you know, can the GEA kind of step in now overall in HQ and say, right, you know, this is the way we're going to go and, and uh, maybe ring fence the money off then, you know, and, and evenly distribute it. And there's always going to be probably brown envelopes who said this somewhere, listen, somebody, some big backer is going to step in behind Dublin and throw whatever money into them. Well, well, so be it. But listen, if everyone's kind of singing from the same hymn sheet, let's see what goes from there. Yeah, and I suppose, look, at the end of the day, and I think this needs to be reiterated and not just, you know, to clear up any could be perceived notions or whatever. This is about creating competitiveness for the GAA as a whole, but also it's about properly recognizing the achievements of what this group has done because, and it, the, it people are rightly saying, look, there is a competitiveness in this issue, but while that conversation is going on, it's just going to drip fees into that conversation. So, and I think at the end of the day, it's it's beyond Dublin at this moment. It's beyond Calvin. It's about making a, a level playing field for everybody. I think that's a great place to lead the chat this week. And um, with Dublin, I'm sure we'll have more and more conversations over the next weeks, months, and years. But for tonight, uh, we will leave a link to Kerr's piece on our Twitter page. So let us and him know what you think. But till next time, all the best, lads. Pierce, Pierce, Thanks, sorry, one last thing. Uh, could we give a shout out to sorry, Shane O'Brien's family? Um, oh yes. Young young lad from, from Anna, um, unfortunately killed. He works for the United Nations in South Africa, so killed in a car crash. And I suppose our thoughts and, and prayers go out to, to his father, uh, Tom, who I would know, and his mum as well, uh, during these tough times. He was an only child as well. So uh, represented from Anna for a number of years at minor and senior level as well. So if we can give him a shout out, please, as well. Well said. Well said, Ryan. Um, all our thoughts and prayers go to his uh, family and everyone involved in the Fermanagh community. Um, Till next time, thanks very much, lads. Thanks, man. Good morning. Good morning, Pierce.